Bistax Health and Wellness Show, where we focus on equipping you with knowledge on health and wellness to help you to ensure a more productive and healthy life for yourselves, your families, and your employees. Now, the conversation today is about keeping colon cancer risk at bay. Now, this presenting and content partnership is with KPJ Ampang Putri Specialist Hospital. Now, to bring an expert lens to this topic, we have Dr. Hamiza Razlan consultant gastroenterologist and physician at KPJ Ampang Putri Specialist Hospital. Now, Dr. Hamiza, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thank you for, for uh, allowing my, giving me an opportunity here to speak on the, the topic. Now, Dr. Hamiza, before we start, let's get to know you a little better. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what you do, and also your training? Okay, I'm... Um... I'm a consultant, physician, and gastroenterologist. Okay. So I graduated from Glasgow University, and uh, this was quite some time ago, in 1997. So after I finished my uh, uh, graduation there, I worked for a year in UK before coming back to Malaysia. And once I'm back in Malaysia, I uh, went, underwent the uh, master program in UKM. So, and once I became a specialist there, I actually served the government hospital there in the HUKM for 15 years before I actually left. And now I'm in my private practice, going to my seventh year in KPJ Ampaputri. Now, Dr. Hamiza, what made you become a doctor and why did you choose this specialty? Uh, well, that's a long time ago. I think I've always been interested in medicine I, um, since I was uh, in school. So science was my forte and I used to like it. I was uh, fortunate to excel in science, so I continued doing, uh, uh, I mean, I, I had the, what do you call it, interest in doing this for no specific reason apart from being just very interested in the subject from very young. And, uh, and no regrets, I'm really enjoying doing medicine. And I chose gastroenterology, I think, because um, when I was training in the medical school in UK, I think I just got interested in uh, doing bit of both procedures and also being a physician. Because in gastroenterology, you are allowed to treat patients like physicians that we all do, but uh, we can also do our procedures like endoscopy. You know, we can do international work. Uh, and this, uh, this interested me because we can do a bit of both in, in, in the field of gastroenterology, which has evolved in, in, in the, and we have done so many new things that can be done through endoscopy for intervention. Now, I want to start by, for, for you to give us some sort of definition, because we hear about colon cancer, colorectal cancer. Are these or different names for the same cancers or are each a distinct type? Could you kind of enlighten us on this? Okay, uh, well, colorectal cancer is, is also known as colon cancer or bowel cancer. And sometimes people call it rectal cancer. Actually, we mean the same thing. Is cancer actually occurring in the large intestine, the large bowel, uh, which is uh, uh, can include the rectal area? So it actually means the same thing, right? Uh, you know, so some people this is a synonymous term. Okay. Now, how prevalent is it in Malaysia? Oh, it's it's uh, the latest statistics have shown that it's actually very very prevalent in Malaysia now. 
where it's actually the second commonest cancer among males and also females, and also the third commonest cause of death in among Malaysians among the cancer deaths. So the incidents have risen a lot throughout the years, and you know, very very common now in Malaysia. Okay, so give us some some perspectives on what are the risk factors that that come to play when we talk about colorectal cancer. Okay. Usually, colon cancer is more common as we grow older, and uh, uh, what do you call it? The it can occur in young adults, but um, it's more common above the age of fifty. So we're talking about risk factors. So the risk factors here will be age, okay? And normally we do have a cutoff point about 50 and above, okay? Number two, patients who may have underlying bowel problems such as inflammatory bowel disease. If patients have this, they have a higher risk of getting colon cancer compared to the general population. Another group which is susceptible to getting cancers will be uh, patients with a strong family history of colon cancer. This we mean by first degree relatives. We're talking about parents, sibling, or child having colon cancer, then there's increased risk in the family. A small proportion of these cancers arise from some genetic disorders of the bowel. Here is an inherited forms of uh, colonic polyps. And these, uh, they form less than 5% of cases though. There are not many of these. Okay. Also to note that there are also other risk factors which, which can, what do you call it, other factors that increase the risk of this, which includes uh, lifestyle factors. And here I mean patients who are overweight or obese, okay, they are increased risk of getting colon cancer. Patients with sedentary lifestyle or physical inactivity, and there are some dietary factors that have been implicated in the uh, pathogenesis of colon cancer. For example, patients who actually take too much uh, red meat, processed meat, and low in fiber, you know, like fruits and vegetables. Okay. And last but not least, it's also being implicated in patients who are uh, smoke too much or drink too much alcohol. Um, Dr. Hamiza, what sort of symptoms should we watch out for, for for colon cancer? And are they the same for men and women? The symptoms are the same for both men and women. Okay, and The symptoms which will include changes in bowel, uh, bowel habits. Okay. Here we mean by if a patient has a, a consistent uh, pattern of bowel movement, it can, it, any change in their normal routine. That's what we're looking for. That's what we mean by change in bowel movements. Any appearance of blood in their stools. If they notice fresh bleeding, uh, that is uh, what we call alarming symptom. If they are losing appetite and losing weight unintentionally. So that's another alarming symptom. So patients may also come and complain about a new development of abdominal pain or discomfort. And sometimes I've seen patients who just come in with feeling unwell, just lethargic or fatigue. And this can happen if they've been uh, uh, having uh, symptoms of anemia, which uh, you know, uh, is a, another symptom or sign of uh, possible uh, underlying colon cancer. Now, could you help us to understand then so that we could recognize it either uh, within ourselves or within our loved ones or friends and family? Um, what are the various stages of cancer, for colon cancer? Okay, cancer, uh, the, roughly, we can just say, you know, just make it very simple. Okay, if uh, the stages of colon cancer can be uh, 
if it's in stage zero or one, where it's actually just confined to the uh, lining of the colon, okay? Stage two, where it's actually gone through the lining of the colon. And stage three, where it's actually uh, spread into the structures surrounding the colon. And stage four, where it's uh, spread everywhere. So depending on the stages the, uh, the, of, of these, the patient may present differently. Given the various stages, what are the treatment options open to patients? Uh, okay, if the cancer is detected in the early stages, okay, we mean by maybe stage zero one, where the, 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 the cancer is confined you know, in the bowel itself, uh, the, the treatment option is surgery. Okay. And surgery is actually curable. They actually remove the, the, the colon cancer and the patient may not need uh, in these early stages any more treatment, further treatment such as chemotherapy, radiotherapy, etc. Unfortunately, if it is more advanced, stages uh, three, four, uh, uh, the, pa the patient then needs a combination therapy with uh, surgery and, and uh, uh, further treatment with chemotherapy, targeted therapy, plus minus radiotherapy. So these are the options available for them. Okay, so given uh, your, your specialty, I'm sure that uh, a, a facility like KPJ Ampang Putri would take a very multidisciplinary approach, not only from a treatment standpoint, but also from a support standpoint for the patients and their loved ones. Could you sort of give us an overview of, of uh, some of the things that you do for the patients during these difficult periods? Of course, yeah. If the patient comes to me and then we've done the procedure and we found that the patient is indeed having colon cancer, so uh, first thing we'll do is we uh, stage the, the disease and uh, tell them what's, what's the options available. And uh, the multidisciplinary that you're mentioning here will involve the surgeon. Okay, so if it's treatable by surgery, the referral will be made to our colorectal surgeon. And after the surgery is done, if the if it's the stages I mentioned earlier, stage uh, in the early stages, then the patient doesn't need any more uh, further uh, interventions such as chemo or radiotherapy. But in in case the patient has advanced stages and they need uh, further intervention, we will call our oncologist to come on board as well, and uh, and the oncologist will come and uh, and see the patient and offer chemotherapy, targeted therapy, radiotherapy, it all depends on the location, size of the tumor, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the stage of the cancer. And of course, with all this, the patient will have their mental stress because of, um, you know, accepting this bad news, you know, trying to get used to this. So for support from that part of view, we, we obviously provide, you know, counseling services to them as well. If they need uh, support in these difficult times. Uh, some of them may have difficulty accepting this diagnosis and dealing with this sickness. And we always explain to them that we're here for them. And uh, if they need any extra counseling services, etc., the hospital has both psychiatrists and also psychologists to help them through this difficult period. Now, if it's a, a more advanced stage, uh, is there an element of palliative care involved as well because palliative care is relatively new in Malaysia but uh, uh, it's gaining in popularity because the benefits are quite apparent. Um, could you shed some light into that as well? 
Okay. Yes, for those with advanced stages, so the 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 the, the main I think the main therapy then is to keep them comfortable. And yes, palliative care is very important during this uh, terminal care stage. So we have uh, the nursing support that can help them. Here we mean palliative therapy means feeding, giving them uh, medication to keep them comfortable. And then in uh, we work closely with Hospice Malaysia. If there's anything, we refer them on. And Hospice Malaysia will provide them with any equipment they need. And if the patients then decide to go home to their homes, we have our own nursing or we help them uh, get outside nursing services to help them uh, cope with this terminal care. We don't actually have um, terminal, what do you call it, palliative care specialists in this hospital per se. But the, um, we do have the other support that we have uh, to, to help these uh, patients cope in the hospital and also when they go home to their homes. Now, well, Dr. Hamiza, I think one of the key things is when you mentioned the, the sources of, of uh, uh, colon cancer, lifestyle has a lot to do with this. What are some of the things that we can do to one, prevent this from happening in the first place, and two, also reduce the risk of colon cancer? I think very important here to take back here is that colon cancer is preventable. As you mentioned earlier, the risks uh, of uh, what we call the risks that are which, which we cannot change and the risks which we can change, which is our lifestyle. So the first thing is, I think all of us have to maintain a healthy weight. So if you're overweight, if anybody's overweight or obese, the first thing we have to do is try to you know, reduce the weight and maintain a healthy BMI. That's the first thing. Number two is to have... Uh, uh, have uh, good physical activity, physical fitness. Do regular exercise, you know, three, four times a week, as much as you can. Spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, do uh, moderate level exercise if possible. And of course, uh, the, the food we eat, we should maintain a healthy diet. We should start looking at eating more fiber, fruits and fiber, eating less uh, processed food, processed meat, uh, which has been implicated in their in their pathogenesis uh, etiology of this cancer. Okay, of course, limit the alcohol consumption, limit the smoking, and last but not least, if you have reached the age of fifty, come for screening colonoscopy. So, just to share to to the audience that we have screening procedures available to detect this early. So. What we normally do in this hospital uh, is, uh, and I'm sure in a lot of other centers, is to do what we call colon cancer screening, which usually starts from the age of 15 above. Okay, here patients who are asymptomatic, but should come forward to do a colonoscopy, where we actually uh, insert a long narrow tube through the back passage and into the large intestine, and what we're doing is actually looking for small growths called polyps. And these polyps are actually benign growth. They line the colon and the rectal area. And these polyps, with time, some of these polyps can change into cancerous growth. And so the purpose of doing the colonoscopy is actually to look for these polyps, remove them early, preventing them changing into a cancerous growth with time. And, and if we do that early, obviously that's, that's prevention rather than uh, curative. Yes. Is that a surgical procedure in itself? No, it's actually, uh, in a way, it's an endoscopic procedure. We okay. do it during the colonoscopy, 
And if the patient is found to have a polyp, we will remove the polyp through okay. uh, uh, what do you call it, um, a biopsy. And if the we we have our procedures where we can actually remove the polyp safely. Okay. So they don't really have to go to a surgery to, to remove this. Okay, and, and, and that's food for thought because, you know, when the statistics say that 90% of patients are above 50 years old, it makes you start to wonder that, hey, you, you really need to go and do some screening after the age of 50. Yes. And in terms of frequency, probably, uh, how often should we go and get ourselves screened? I think the guideline was saying that um, uh, once you've done a screening and if you're clear of any polyps, uh, they used to say every 10 years. Okay. Uh, I tell my patients come back five to 10 years. You know, some, sometimes they say 10 years, well, it's too long. I know anything can happen. I say, yeah. So you, you know, come back maybe five to 10 years. But if you're found to have any polyps, that's a different story. We see what the type of polyp it is. We remove the polyp, we send them to the lab, and then we will tell the patient, you may have to come back earlier. So okay. th these depend on the type of polyp. So sometimes they come back in three to five years, they come back for the screening. Now, Dr. Hamiza, it's been a fascinating conversation. I learned a lot. But before you leave us, could you share with any final thoughts you'd like to share with us before we end the conversation? I think just to um, highlight that March is our colon cancer awareness month. And colon cancer is very high in Malaysia. And I think people should be aware that uh, it is a curable cancer if it's detected early. And uh, prevention is obviously important. And by doing screening early, we're actually preventing this from happening. So I think that's my take home message. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Hamiza, for coming on the show. Okay, thank you, Brian. Thank you. Well, I'm Brian Fernandez, and we've been speaking to Dr. Hamiza Razlan, a consultant gastroenterologist and physician at KPJ Ampang Putri Specialist Hospital on Bistax Health and Wellness Show presented by KPJ Ampang Putri Specialist Hospital. This video and podcast will be on our website, www.bistech.asia, as well as our various social media platforms and KPJ Ampang Putri's uh, social media platforms as well. Please subscribe and like our various platforms. Thank you very much for tuning in.